Well, please remain standing as we read God's Word together this evening. The sermon text is from Revelation chapter 6, and I will begin in verse 9 and read to the end of the chapter, verse 17, the final, well, the the fifth and the sixth seals uh, this evening. So, Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 to 17. This is God's Word. It is His holy, inerrant, infallible Word. So, brothers and sisters, pay careful attention this evening. When He opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the Word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? And please join me now as we pray and we ask that the Lord would bless us as I proclaim His Word and as we hear it this evening. Our holy and true God, God of all justice, even as we hear of Your justice and we hear of Your judgment, We tremble before you, and we think of your awesome majesty. We are shaken, and we pray that you would give us the grace to be able to clearly understand your word this evening, that you would be with me as I preach it, that I would be faithful in all that I say, that you would guide my every word. I pray that you would open up every heart that is here this evening to listen to what you would say to them through your word this evening, that you would give them the grace of repentance, the grace of the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, the one who saves us from the wrath to come. I pray that he would be exalted and that he would be magnified, and that we would all come to see him in his glory all the more by the power of your Spirit. I pray this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, patterns are very important in life and also in the book of Revelation. My four boys love animals, they love snakes, 
I, I don't know where they got that. It wasn't from me, uh, for sure. They are fearless when it comes to snakes. Uh, they have often grabbed for snakes, and they've stuck their hands in snake holes, and it really is amazing to me. But as I say that, one thing that they know is uh, what I don't know. I've never, I've never studied this the way they have, is they know what snakes are safe and what snakes are dangerous. And, and how do they know that? Well, they know that because they understand the patterns. They can look at a snake's head. They can see the triangle, and they know bad news. They can see uh, the stripes and the patterns, right? If maybe you've heard the, the phrases, um, red on yellow, kill a fellow, red on black, friend of Jack. Well, they know these things. If, if you make a mistake with a poisonous snake, that's the end. If you don't know the pattern, you, you will uh, be facing the Lord very uh, soon. The same is true in the book of Revelation. If you don't know the patterns of the book of Revelation, if you don't understand how God is conveying his truth using these repetitions and these patterns, you will not understand the book of Revelation. This is a book that was meant to be heard. Maybe if you remember back from Revelation chapter 1, there's a blessing pronounced on all of those who hear. All of those who hear. So imagine yourself as the original audience of this letter having it read to you, and you're listening. When you listen, you listen differently than you, you read, and the, the book of Revelation is, is structured in order to give us all of these clues to make sense of it uh, with uh, repetitions. You hear something, and you hear it repeated again, and you hear it repeated again in different ways, some of the most important repetitions are the ones we see in these series of sevens. So we have the seven uh, seals. We're looking at the fifth and the sixth seal tonight. We have the seven trumpets that will come later, and we have the seven bowls after that. There's actually seven thunders, uh, but mysteriously, the meaning of the seven thunders in the book of Revelation is not revealed to us. So all of these sevens... And if you're paying attention, if you're hearing this, you're going to perk up. You're going to think, okay, another seven. And you see the pattern, and it's going to help you make sense of what's going on. Well, there's even patterning within the, the sevens. There's, we had the, the four horses last week. And, and then we have three seals that come after. Well, in the seven trumpets, the first four trumpets happen. And then the last three, they're actually called woes. There are the three woes, which are the last three of the trumpets. And then there are the seven bowls. Each of these could be thought of as a, a kind of different camera angle on what's going on in the world, what God is doing, what his plan is for the ages, coming all the way up to the point of the final judgment. And that's where we end this evening is in the final judgment. You might remember Pastor Stone last week saying, isn't that uh, interesting that in the middle of the book of Revelation, we, we're at the final judgment already. There's so much more of the book to come. And that is, that's absolutely true. There is a lot more that we need to know about what God is doing in these times and throughout the ages. But in this series of sevens, we get different perspectives on the way in which God is judging the world and the way in which he is protecting 
and uh, shepherding his own people, the way in which he is giving them grace to endure all of the trials that they will face, all of the, the difficulties that will come our way because we live in a fallen and a sinful world. So we have these wonderful perspectives on what God is doing. And tonight, the two that we're going to look at, and this is going to be our two points, are justice and judgment. God's justice and His judgment. And really, these are two sides of the same coin. These are both referring to things that come to a head when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. It is justice for God's people who have been persecuted, who have been marginalized, who have been mocked, who have been treated with scorn throughout the ages. And it's judgment for those who have not repented of their sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Both of those things come to us when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And so we have such important truths for us as God's people and for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, first, justice. Justice for God's people. The fifth seal. With the fifth seal, we have this vision of the souls, and that's just another way of saying these are God's people. That's their life. They have died. They've been slain for the word of God and the witness that they have borne, and they are sitting under the altar. So we're using the language of the temple here. The altar, well, there was an altar for sacrificing the animals, and then there was an altar of incense within the temple. This is uh, almost certainly the altar for sacrifice because the blood is dripping down the sides of that altar in the temple and in the tabernacle, just as these saints have been slain for their faithful testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been killed, they've been murdered. Because they love the Lord Jesus Christ and they spoke of Him in the world. They bore testimony to His grace and to His mercy and they received for that from the world death. And they cry out to the Lord for justice. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before You will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Justice is hope for God's people. Justice is hope for them because God's people must endure much in this world. There have been more Christians murdered for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in this century, well, in the 20th century, I guess I should speak of now that we're in the 21st century, but uh, certainly there's no reason to think that these trends uh, are diminishing In the 20th century, more Christians were killed, were murdered for their faith in Jesus Christ than all of Christian history up to that point. And the saints, they cry out to God for justice. When they're in heaven, there is no sin anymore. Their priorities are aligned with the priorities of God. And they don't become sentimental, do they? They cry out for justice because they have been wronged. There was no one to deliver them in this world. And they faced the ultimate suffering, death, because they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no one to deliver them in this world, but God has not forgotten about them. 
God did not overlook their suffering. God had a purpose for their suffering as they bore testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. They cry out for justice because God is holy and he is true and he will show justice and they know that and they long for that day. Things will be made right. That's where we find hope in this text as God's people is every single wrong that has ever been done to any of God's people in all of the ages will be made right one day. The tables will be turned. It will no longer be the case that God's people are a suffering minority, that they are living in fear of what the world could throw at them. On that day, the tables will be turned and they will receive justice. And that is the only thing, brothers and sisters, that's the only thing that can sustain them. And it's the only thing that can sustain us is that when we face persecution, when being faithful to Christ means suffering, what hope do we have in this world? Because just as likely as with these saints, it could end in our own death. And we would be terrified if we thought that was it, if we thought that was the end, if we didn't know that one day justice would come. Because, of course, this is not a word for the saints in heaven. They don't need this word. They know this because they see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. This is to give us hope whenever we go through trials, whenever we are persecuted. And it's specifically focused on bearing testimony to Christ. Uh, There is hope for God's people who suffer sickness, and sadness, but here it's particularly for those who bore testimony to Jesus Christ, who were not ashamed of him, who were not afraid. And I think, brothers and sisters, the only way we cannot be afraid to tell people about Jesus, to speak openly and confidently, is to know that even if we were to face death, justice will be shown in the end. God tells them after he gives them a white robe, to wait a little longer. In fact, he says, rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. I find this to be a really striking image because there's a sense in which even for the saints in heaven now, there is a holy discontent a holy discontent. They are not obviously grumbling against God. They're not questioning God's wisdom. They're not questioning his justice, but they are crying out, how long, Lord, are you going to allow injustice to triumph in the world? And they're crying out in this way, even as God tells them, to rest. So they have the joy of eternal life. They have the joy of being in the perfect fellowship with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. The bliss of seeing Christ face to face and and resting in him forever. And yet they still cry out, how long, O Lord? Because until justice has been shown in this world, until those who persecuted them, who murdered them, until justice has been shown to them, then something is wrong in this world. Things are not as they should be. That's why I say there's this sense of holy discontent. They long to see that day of justice. And God says, rest. 
They're not agitated. You know, they're, they're not, they're not uh, despairing, even as they cry out, how long? But they long for that day. God says, wait a little longer. Right? This is another word of hope. In light of eternity, in light of that eternal joy that we have awaiting us, it really is only a little longer. It doesn't seem like that when we're enduring trials, when we're enduring persecution. If you bear faithful testimony to Christ and you're mocked for that, even if it comes to the point of death, it doesn't feel like it's just a little longer, does it? That's why God is telling us to lift our eyes up from this world, not to think in terms of earthly timelines. It is only a little longer in light of those 10,000 years when we've barely been in heaven worshiping God. And we have an infinity to worship Him. Well, if you are afraid, is there anyone here that ever feels fear telling others about Jesus Christ, bearing testimony? Are you afraid to talk to your coworkers about Christ? Are you afraid to talk to your classmates about the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you afraid to talk to your neighbors about Jesus Christ? Well, what a striking phrase we see in verse 11. They're told to wait until the full number should be complete of those who were to be killed as they themselves had been. If you are to suffer for your faithful testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are to be killed for that, you will be killed. You will suffer in this way. There is no other way. God has ordained this for you. And there is a number of those who will suffer in this way, in this world, even now, and throughout human history. God has determined that number, and that number will not go down. It will not go up. That is what God has ordained for many of his people, is to suffer in precisely this way. Nothing that you can do will change that number. And so the, the response for us, I think, should be to go out confidently to know that if this is what God has called us to, this is what God has called us to. And he will be with us in the midst of that. And he will not forget about us. He has not forgotten about us. And even if we should suffer in this way, God will not overlook justice. He will show justice in the end. Are we more righteous than God? Because it's easy to be sentimental about justice. It's easy for us to think that when we're in heaven, all we would want is for everyone to be there with us. That's not what they're praying, is it? They're praying that God's justice would be shown because God is holy and God is true and He is a God of justice and His justice will not ever be overlooked. The only hope is that his justice is satisfied for us, satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why they pray and are told to rest, because for them, for you, brothers and sisters, looking to Jesus Christ, you will have eternal rest even if you should suffer in precisely this way. So this fifth seal, this is a seal of justice the sixth seal, however, is taking us to the very end, to the final judgment, in fact. 
When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon like blood, the stars of the sky. They're falling to the ground as a, a fig tree shaken by a winter wind. The sky, it just rolls up like a scroll and disappears. The mountains are shaken out of their place. This is a cosmic earthquake. It's an earthquake that shakes the entire world out of joint. It's an earthquake, really, that we could say is preparing the way for the new heavens and the new earth. It is knocking the old order away and, and, and out of its roots, and it is making way for the new creation, the new creation in which righteousness dwells. What striking image here. And there is some of this language that is used in the prophets from time to time to refer to earthly judgments. And that's why some have, have thought here, oh, this is, this is just referring to the judgments of God in this age. Not when you combine all of these like this. You'll never find anything like this in the Old Testament. And this is so much like Jesus' own language when he's preaching on the Mount of, Olive, uh, the Mount of Olives Matthew 24, when he is proclaiming his own return at the end, that's the language we see here, the language of the final judgment. That's why I said we need to understand patterns, because when we get to the trumpets, we're going to have a different vantage point on the justice of God, the judgments of God, especially when we get to the the seven bowls, we see a, a new way of understanding the judgment of God. This is one of those vantage points. This is the final judgment. And it's understandable then that those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, they are crying out in terror at this point. They are crying out in terror. They're calling for the mountains to fall on them and to hide them from the wrath of God. It is a terrifying picture to think To think for those who are outside the Lord Jesus Christ that the wrath of God is coming. The great day of God's wrath, in fact, is coming. This is the day in which all distinctions among people are done away with, right? It's It's the great leveling. Doesn't matter who you were in this life. You see that everyone here, everyone hides, everyone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they all hide, the kings of the earth, the generals, the rich, the powerful, but not just them, slave and free, the powerful, the weak. The the judgment of God is the great leveler. What what do we so often live our lives for? It's, It's to make a name for ourselves in this age. In this world, you know, to, to be rich, to have all the comforts of this world, to be powerful, to be well-known enough so that when we die, people will remember our name. You know, that's what the peoples of the world have always lived for. I think we can be tempted to live for those things too. When we think about the judgment of God, we remember that none of that matters. Every single person in this room tonight, will stand before God on that day in exactly the same position. Won't matter who you were in this world. 
It won't matter who you were in this life. You will stand before God and you will answer for yourself. You will answer for your life. Those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ call out on that day in terror. The wrath of God is a terrifying thing, but only for those who are outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in Romans 5 speaks about the wrath of God and about how those who are in Jesus Christ says that they will be saved from the wrath of God on that day. They will be saved from the wrath of God because Jesus Christ has taken the wrath of God in the place of sinners. In many ways, this is a very simple text. That the justice and the judgment of God, it is a simple text, but it is a sobering text. The justice of God for His saints who've been denied that justice in this age. And again, to to encourage you, if you have gone through suffering because of your faithful testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ, remember this. Remember this wonderful truth that God has not forgotten about you. He has not forgotten about you. In fact, He has ordained that you would suffer in precisely that way. But only for a little time, brothers and sisters. Only for a little time. And then the end. There's no way for us to to avoid this. Um, As I said, though, it's a sobering text when we think about the final judgment. Now, when when you hear of this, and you think of those who are lost, those whom you love who are lost, all the more, how should this cause us to to pray for them, certainly, but to just speak to them of Christ. Right? Because this day is coming. Should give us confidence. I think this should spur us on to speak to them of Christ. Because if they are out of Christ on that day, there is no hope for them. We should speak to them of the saving word of God, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's really what I want to leave you with this evening. In conclusion, to bring this all together, I want to ask you one simple question. It is the question on which our text ends, in fact. Who can stand? Who can stand? The, the day, the great day of the wrath of God has come. And who can stand on that day? Who can stand? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have not trusted in Him, Tonight is the night, because that day is coming. The wrath of God is coming. But I can say to you that tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ is held out to you. The Lord Jesus Christ is held out to you in His saving grace. Repent and believe in Him. Repent tonight. Don't put it off. You don't know how long that little while is, do you? Tonight is the night to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can stand? You cannot stand in your own righteousness. You cannot stand outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what amazing grace from God 
that if we have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can stand on that day, and we will stand triumphantly, confidently, joyfully. We will stand because the Lord Jesus Christ has covered all of our sins, because the Lord Jesus Christ has cast our iniquities as far as the east is from the west. We will stand because we have a Savior who has taken upon himself the wrath of God. He has drunk that wrath down to the very bottom. He alone has taken the full punishment for sin. You, brothers and sisters, can stand, you will stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will greet that day with a smile on your face. You will greet that day with joy in your heart. And you have no reason, even now, to fear that day, to fear what any man can do to you. What can man do to us, brothers and sisters? He can do nothing but what the Lord ordains. And we will stand in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith in him on that day. Please now let us pray. Let us go to the Lord and ask the blessing, having heard his word. Our Heavenly Father, a righteous and holy God, pray that you would please impress these truths upon our heart that we would take your justice seriously and your judgment seriously, that we would find hope who are in Christ to stand on that day, that we would find hope even as we remember that you have not forgotten about us, as we cry out to you, our God, how long until you show justice? Sustain us until that day. For any here who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would open their hearts even now that you would show them their sin and their rebellion, that you would give them saving faith to take a hold of Christ, to believe in Him, and to find eternal life. I pray above all that we would have hope and that we would glorify you as we go out this evening with confidence that we can stand in our Savior And I pray this in his most precious name. Amen. If you'll please stand now as we respond to the grace.